0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Men up in my city on the roof yeah They took when I wear a butter who the Providence College Friars Top for the crossover the, oh, right. oh. the Big East Every two the rest of the college hoops Broker world. The Dunn, this lid. is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself. Mike Surrett when i you they on me while I take them to school Welcome everyone to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Serrette, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. And also read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com Boc is out today, but the show must go on, and today is Wednesday, November twenty fifth, and we finally made it. The season is finally here. College hoops starts up today. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, but in to celebrate that, we have a great show today. We have an interview with uh, Providence Class of twenty fourteen, Kaylee Griffin. Uh, you may know her as she works in the NBA as a sideline reporter for the Houston Rockets. Um, formerly worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers and San Antonio Spurs. We had a great chat about her story and, um, you know, working in the NBA with all these superstar players, as well as gotten some fryer stuff, too. So that should be good. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed my chat with her. So. Um, The season's finally here. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I took off the entire week of work, so I just plan on watching hoops pretty much all week. Uh, That's what Thanksgiving's for, right? Um, But the season finally came here after last season got cut short due to the COVID pandemic, as you all know, well aware. Um, The Friars were riding high last season winners of um, their last six games, and I believe eight of ten before the shutdown uh, occurred and the season ultimately canceled when PC was supposed to host Butler um, in their opening round of the Big East Tournament. Um, So really tough to see it go uh, when it did last year, especially considering the province crier uh, prophecy, the crier prophecy, PC would make a Final Four in 2020. Fortunately, uh, that gets stopped due to COVID, but um, I've mentioned this before, but I, I think it's only fair, considering we never even got to have a March Madness, uh, and we never got to answer the what if. What if this PC team made a massive run in March and uh, made the Final Four? I think because that got taken away from the pandemic, I think it's okay of me to roll that into this year. All right, cry of prophecy, Friars, Final Four, book it in Indianapolis this year as the whole tournament will be, uh, most likely. I I don't believe they've had an official... um, I don't think they've officially announced that yet, but there are rumors that's going to be one site and most likely it will be Indianapolis this year, which was set to host a Final Four anyways. Um, So, yeah, book it. 2021, the Province Friar Prophecy returns. Because I'm not gonna let no damn virus uh, take away the the, the prophecy that was gonna happen. Let's just face it, you know, only team in college hoops to beat uh, five ranked opponents in a single month. That month being the month of February, so three days short in your normal month, and yet they're the first team in college hoops history to beat five ranked teams in a month. Like I said, winners six in a row, eight of their last ten. They were on a roll. I thought they definitely would have uh made it to the Big East final um but who knows if with Nova and, and the whistles the way those go uh with Nova in the Big East tournament but we're finally over it it's on to a new season I couldn't be more excited about it um so basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh first get to that interview with Kaylee Griffin um a lot of good stuff in there like I said And then um, we'll get an ad in there as well for Anchor. Got to show them some love. But uh, after that, we'll do a quick preview of uh, PC's opening game match. uh, Opening game, I should say, match uh, against Fairfield. So we'll we'll get the interview. We'll preview that. So first, here's our interview with Kaylee Griffin.
1: Okay, joining us today
0: on the Province Crier podcast, we have a very special guest. Um, she worked for Big East Media Network as well as currently she is a sideline reporter for the Houston Rockets. You can catch her as a host and reporter for several shows on at and Sports Southwest and follow her on Twitter at Kayla Griffin. She's also PC grad class of 2014. Kayla, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, let's get right into it, I guess. Um, so You know, you're the silent reporter for the Houston Rockets. Now Um, you worked prior as uh, the reporter for the Cavs and then the Spurs before that. So coming to PC, like, how did you find yourself in this career?
1: Yes, a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I, um I played sports my whole life. Um, and when I was deciding on school, uh, I was kind of going back and forth of whether I wanted to continue to play in college or whether I just wanted to go to school. And so my mom actually played basketball at Providence. So I had grown up going to Providence forever going to games and it was kind of how i envisioned college looking was for me college meant going to providence so um when i when it came down to it i i ended up deciding that i really didn't want to play anymore um and i wanted to go to providence and but i still wanted to kind of figure out how i could incorporate sports into my career. And that was probably my senior year in high school is when I really took an interest in uh, the actual journalism part. I interned for a local newspaper in Stanford, Connecticut, where I grew up. And it kind of flourished from there. And, and Providence didn't have a communications major, but you see someone like Doris coming out of Providence, it was kind of like, okay, it's possible. So you just kind of have to, to figure out a way to do it. And, and no Nobody's path is exactly the same. And there are quite a few people that have come out of Providence that are working in the media industry. So um, I knew if I was really passionate about it and and put the work in that I'd find a way. Um, so that's really kind of how it all started for me. It was um, probably in high school is when I when I realized and then it was about utilizing the opportunities at school and um, I was a humanities major, which was kind of broad, but it let me focus in English in particular, but take communications courses that Providence offered and have them count towards my major. I had internships um, at TV shows in Rhode Island um, that would count towards my major. So it was kind of just taking what we had at Providence and making it work to my advantage uh, moving forward.
0: Nice, it's kind of like Chiron Cartwright, you kind of made like
1: the sports majors yeah so yeah all. absolutely he's got that sports media major which I was jealous when they started to make those I was like oh my god I wish we had those when that's I was there yeah same here
0: uh <laughs> but you you did bring up Doris Burke which which was kind of goes right into my next question here um obviously Doris is you know does great things for the NBA on ESPN um so I, I've seen the photo with you and Doris um so I guess tell Firetown how you know what she's meant to you in terms of you know, an inspiration and mentor, stuff like that. And, um, how your relationship has helped your career.
1: Yeah. I don't think I can ever really put into words what her mentorship has meant to me. I met her probably when I was a junior in college for the first time. Um, I got connected with her in the industry as, as someone who wanted to kind of pursue that career path. And, um, she is someone that has kept in touch with me, touched base with me, and from my starting in the Big East to where I am now. So it's it's been an incredible journey. She is amazing. She is so busy, but she always seems to find the time, and I've had um, ebbs and flows in my career along the way already, and she has been there every step of the way to provide advice, to help me out when I was going into interviews, um, obviously, she's worked with so many of these teams before, so she would give me little tidbits on what could what could actually really help me going in and, and things I should know and things I could just throw in there that might really catch their eyes. So she's been so amazing. And of course, now um, I have the incredible opportunity to travel with a team and a team that has been successful this past season in particular that Picks up a lot of national games, so we'll we'll broadcast side by side with ESPN. So I've gotten to see her so much more this season before we shut down, which is incredible for me. So um, I'm so grateful to to have her in my uh, little circle in this industry. She has been incredible, um, and it's it's always fun, of course, when I get to see her at games and, and just catch up quickly. Sure, yeah, uh,
0: that, that's got to be awesome to have someone like that. Uh to look up to you and and reach towards for advice but um so your first stop with the San Antonio Spurs um so Greg Popovich he's known as you know a guy that's kind of cold if you will with the media at times so how was that being your first job like into the real world as a reporter working for the Spurs and, and working with him?
1: So my first actual job when I got when I graduated was actually at the Big East for two years, and I loved those first two years. Um, so I spent two years after I graduated from Providence working for the Big East Conference. So that was amazing. And from when I turned 23, when I was 23 is when I got the Spurs job, and um, I. I was anxious a little bit because I'd done all covered college athletics before so it was a big jump for me to go to the NBA but I knew that once I was given this opportunity I actually got this job that it was something I couldn't pass on it was just one of those that you you get and you have to go for it. And I've never moved off out of the Northeast before. And I had to pack my bags and move to San Antonio, Texas in a week span. And it was it was crazy. But um, yeah, working with pop for the first time was definitely a unique experience. Um, I was very lucky that because I worked for the team, I didn't have to do so much one on one interact Really get into the the nitty gritty with him. A lot of the things that I got to really cover with him were community events. Which, if you get pop in the community, he is amazing. He loves those things. It's when you get really into the the why did this happen sort of thing in the games that's where he kind of shuts down. So um, it was a good experience for me. I think it. I learned so much working from that organization as my first stop. I think they are tough in a lot of ways and everyone kind of said that you'll never really experience an organization like working for the Spurs. So I'm, I'm glad that that was my first stop. And I got to experience how they operated first. And um, I think that's been one of the really unique things about me and my career so far, is I've, I've gotten to see a number of different teams and how they all operate. And it's amazing to see how each team, there's only 30 of them, they all operate so differently Um, so to so to work with that organization obviously the sustained success that they've had for so many years I got to catch the tail end of Tony Parker and Mario Ginobili's careers there so that was really cool Um, it was a really awesome experience I learned a lot um, and pop for the most part went easy on me which was definitely helpful (laughs) that's
0: good good to hear
1: yeah yeah I mean it's gotta be like
0: kind of I would think of like the Spurs as like the Patriots of the NBA sure. or the way they run their organization so um yeah I'm sure that was definitely a, a unique experience um going on to your next stop with Cleveland that was that the year after LeBron left the,
1: yes so, that was the year so yes how was that
0: because like you know the way the media covered LeBron and his decisions to you know go from Cleveland to Miami and then come back and then go to LA um you know a, a lot of it was so fascinating how like how much LeBron meant to the economy and like the local bars and like the whole buzz around the town. So how was that like going from the Spurs, going, going to the uh, Cavs organization that was totally kind of in rebuild mode, I guess.
1: Yeah, it was a really unique experience for me. And a lot of people don't know, but after my second year in San Antonio, I actually lost my job. Like they cut the position. So I was kind of left in a, a spot where I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. I'm 25 years old. And um, I've had a really strong opportunity up until this point working for the Big East and the Spurs and then it all kind of came crashing down. And I, I like to use that as a learning point, especially when I talk to aspiring journalists is that it's never gonna be smooth sailing. Like we all have ebbs and flows. Like I said before, it's kind of all part of our journey and our stories are different. So for me, I had moved back to the East Coast and the Cavs opportunity came and it was really, you know, a lot wasn't happening for me. And it's one of those things where timing is everything. And I just had to jump on it. So it was definitely a unique year in Cleveland that year. Um, I missed all the fun with LeBron, but it was, it was good for me to see how a different organization ran and, and to work with a lot of younger players. Cause I'd come from a team where I was working with like the most veteran guys who are going to be hall of famers. And now I was going to a team that was relying on um, such a young core group there. And they were looking to get younger and really looking to rebuild. And um, you still have guys like Kevin love there. And at the time, Tristan Thompson was there now he's in Boston, but um, it was an interesting season for me. Um, I had so much more access which was was different and I think that's it depends on the team you work for and they were a team that wanted to get their new players out into the media and for fans to get to know them so they were trying to rebuild how they were perceived out there because obviously they moved on from LeBron moved on from Kyrie and so now it was trying to show like okay these guys aren't here anymore but we still have these guys who are going to be the future of this organization. And we're going to put them out there and try to make them look as good as possible. And it was, it was definitely an, an interesting year. Um, It's tough when you're losing a lot. I, I think anyone who's been in a situation like that covering a team when they lose a lot, it's tough, but I was very fortunate to work with a lot of players there that were really helpful and, and open and willing to do things which in a season like that you you hope for the best in terms of getting players who are willing to you know go and do things on their off days and we were very fortunate to have that which was good as well yeah
0: for sure yeah i mean i know like when i was blogging for pc for two years ago when they missed the tournament it was definitely harder than the one you're winning. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, but then, you
0: know, you move on to, uh, your, your current stop, uh, the Houston Rockets. Now you're going from, you know, at the Spurs, you had like the veterans, um, you know, big names. And then you go to like, the Cavs who were young rebuilding, then you go to Houston, uh, and they have like the star power of James Harden. They end up bringing in Russell Westbrook that year. So, how was that and then my second question would be how was covering a team that didn't play a big man had PJ Tucker playing center for the
1: yeah it was i mean for me it happened so quickly i ended up interviewing for this job in september and i got it within like 3 days after i'd gone down for my audition and so i again was in one of those all right just pack up and move and i moved to houston the week of our first broadcast and it was insane but um it it has it was a it's been unbelievable I absolutely love my job this is the first time that I am fully traveling with the team so I'm on the road with them for every game unfortunately this season I don't think we will be but it um it was a very unique experience to be really on that grind that the team is on as well um but it was it was pretty crazy I I mean my first broadcast my first walk-off interview was Russell Westbrook and it was a definitely you I wouldn't say a star struck by players, but it was one of those where I hadn't met him yet. And then all of a sudden he's next to me and I'm like, Oh wow. Like this is really happening right now. This is going to be one of the guys that I talk to every night. And he, he like shook my hand and was like, I don't think before the interview, I was like, I don't think we've, we've met yet. I'm Russell as if I didn't know who he was. So it was just a pretty funny moment and, and surreal for me, but it was, it's been really cool to work with them. Um, it's cool to, when you're around team so much like that, that they, get to know you more. Um, they see you just, you know, obviously on the plane, walking around, around the hotel and like out in this town because you're all kind of just popping into restaurants around the hotels when you get there. So um, it's been a really amazing experience. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy to cover two stars like that. It's totally different than anything I've ever done before. Um, but it's been really special. This last year was, was really fun up until the season was put on pause. I've really had a great time with working with them. And then, yeah, when we went all, all in on small ball, it was, um it was definitely interesting. We had, I think we all kind of held our breath a little. Uh, we all loved working with Clint Capella. He was fantastic. So it was a little bittersweet to see him go. And, but PJ Tucker embraced that role let me tell you that guy is tough as nails i don't know how he does it at 36 it's incredible and robert covington who who just moved on to portland he was fantastic for us so it was interesting and and very unique to cover from that standpoint i think what was really interesting about the Rockets last season is they never really game plan for other teams. It was like, how are they going to game plan for us? And so when you cover a team, every single game, like we do, it's, it takes a lot to get really creative and what are you going to talk about this game when they're not so much game planning for the opponent as they expect the opponent to game plan for them. And so when we switched to small, it gave us a lot more to talk about and how are we making these adjustments? How are we going to have the advantage when we don't have the rebounding edge? So um, it was different. We're not going small anymore as we just got. Uh DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood. So it'll be a, a totally new squad this year, but... Um, um, it definitely made for some entertainment. It was we had us on our on edge a lot of nights watching these games, but it's it's been a lot of fun so far.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Um, so shifting gears now to, to college hoops. Um, you know, obviously the NBA shut down. They went to a bubble uh, in Orlando. Um, from your perspective, I think like one of the biggest concerns about college hoops right now is people are wondering, are they gonna get it in? yeah Uh, so you know as of now pc's playing fairfield on, on wednesday in their opener um but from your experience what do you what do you think would be the best like
1: idea that they should do going forward i'm honestly i don't even know what the right answer is because we're still waiting to hear what the nba is going to say in terms of protocols for this season and we start training camp in less than a week so it's it's really insane because there's still so much unknown I think there's a lot of hope obviously on this vaccine that's coming out and I think we're all really anxious to get it and we're really anxious to get back to normal but obviously these seasons are they're going to try to proceed with them as as is and I think we saw the bubble work I don't think it's realistic to expect that a Bubble is going to be the best way in terms of a a full season. Now, do I think college basketball, if they go after, go, they're heading into winter break soon. They're doing extended winter breaks. I, I have a sister who's a senior in college. She's home now up until February. So I realistically could see them bubbling conference teams, put the put the eleven biggies teams in a in a bubble and play them more often than twice a week, get in those get in as many of those conference games as you can. And I think you're on track to to getting it done. I, I it's almost impossible, I think, to avoid what's happening in the world if you don't put them in a bubble just because, there's so many ways this this virus is so contagious that you could accidentally just get it by passing somebody which is the, I think the craziest part so without them being in a bubble I don't know if there's any guarantees on how we're going to get the season fully in and, and safely um, you know I, the Big East has thrown a lot of different things out there in terms of how they're looking at doing things nothing's out of the question that's why they're only releasing a few games so far and, and going to reevaluate probably around Christmas so I think it's going to be really interesting to see, Um, like I said, the bubble was really successful. We don't know how we're proceeding with the, with the NBA season yet. They're only releasing half of the season first um, as well. So a lot of questions still up in the air i would love to see a biggie bubble. i think that would be so fun you get a couple broadcasters in there and you, you get fox sports one calling all those games you do a game a day almost or two games a day with these teams you kind of move it along as quickly as you can but you you bubble them in for a month and a half two months and you get all the conference games in. i, I think that would be amazing i think viewership would be awesome uh obviously wishful thinking, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, Big East is definitely, they've thought about the bubble, obviously, in terms of like maybe Providence, maybe Omaha. uh, Right. Oregon Sun. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's weird because like college football is just pressing forward uh, and they're just going through it, like taking the cancellations as they come and just kind of trekking through. And, you know, as of now, the college hoops plan is to start to do that. Um, Right see what happens the first 10 games or so. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately a bubble would be uh, the right way to go. Definitely seeing the way the NBA did it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, in college, I mean, I know college basketball, you don't play as often as the NBA does on a, on a weekly basis, but you're still playing more than college football. And but the way they're doing it right now with the full team shutdown for, for the big East, I think it's 21 days or it's 14 days, whatever it is it's between two and three weeks, full shutdown. I don't know how you're ever going to get the full season in. If you have half of the conference shut down for, for two weeks, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. And thankfully, I'm not up to making those decisions because I don't envy anyone that is. But personally, bubbling, I think, is a fantastic idea. I think you've seen the proven success with other leagues as well outside the NBA. So if if it's plausible, I think that would be an incredible way to go to at least get the conference season in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then I guess moving on to, to the Friars here. So obviously, you know, it sounds like you're, you're very busy w- with your career, but I'm sure you're still keeping up with the team. And uh, so, so what are your thoughts of this year's team and, and what they can do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I don't think I, I was as hurt as everyone last year when we saw our March dreams crashing down when we were the hottest team in the country. Um, I am definitely bittersweet because I always try to figure out a way to go to one Providence game each year. And I, I got to Villanova at Villanova last year because we were playing the Knicks. So I was able to to get in there. and That was an awesome win. So I, Losing a lot of those seniors. That one hurts because they, we never really got to see what could have been. Um, but I'm excited to see, uh, obviously, David Duke. There's a lot of hype around him, what he's going to do this season. Um, he's got full range now. He's going to be their their go-to guy. I think Nate Watson has to play a huge role as well. Um, It's going to be interesting. They're they're ranked really high in the preseason poll, the coaches poll. That makes me a little nervous every time that happens. Um, But I feel like as a whole, the Big East is kind of down this year. Villanova is still going to be pretty good. Creighton already losing two freshmen to ACL tears, but they're still going to be solid. Um, I, I think the Friars have a good shot this year. I don't want to get my hopes up. It's always a roller coaster ride with this team. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to judge them off of their first few games because last year I literally was about to hop off the bandwagon after Thanksgiving, but they they got me back on. Um, so I'm I'm just excited for for basketball to return. Hopefully we we get that Fairfield game in um, to start things off. And obviously the the biggest hope is that everyone just stays healthy and, and we can get in as many of these games as possible.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember last year I went to the opener against Sacred Heart, and I'm leaving. I'm like, oh man, like this team like going to the final four, like they're awesome. And then two weeks later, I'm like on
1: the floor in my. that's that is that's exactly how I am I am I am so high and I'm like oh my god we're winning it all I'm, I'm texting my producer from for our rockets games and I'm like I'm just letting you know that I'm taking off the final four week again he's like relax Can please relax and then we're losing and then last year on our staff one of our assistant coaches was on the, the Villanova staff for a while, so we were always talking trash. Then we had Jeff Green on the team for a while, and we were talking trash every time Georgetown played, so it, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I definitely get into it. I don't get to watch as many of the games, but my producer always has them playing in the truck, so if we are playing at the same time, he's giving me updates, which at least helps me feel better, um, but I definitely try to watch them as much as possible because I, I I'm a I'm scary obsessed. It's crazy. I always say, no, if we're going to a sweet 16, I'm taking that weekend off of games. And everyone is like, you're, you're not taking them off. I'm like, no, I am (laughs) like, you don't understand. We don't do that. Providence doesn't do that. So when we do, it's a big deal. For sure.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, Caitlin, I really appreciate having you on today. Um, you know, wish you luck in your uh, career going forward here and hopefully the NBA season can
1: come around and, without any problems like uh last year so yes absolutely thanks so much for having me all right
0: welcome back as we wrap up this episode of the province crier podcast I just want to give our thanks to kaylee griffin for joining the show today um it's amazing how many legends that she's got to uh know and, and work with in such a short period of time uh being the sideline reporter for the Spurs, Cavs, and now the Houston Rockets. So that was a great conversation. Really appreciated having her on. Um, so to wrap up the show today, we're just going to preview the Fairfield game. Um, I know BOC and I took you know a, a little quick look at the schedule at the end of the last episode. And first, got to apologize because I got the Fairfield stuff all wrong. Um, Fairfield is is coached by Jay Young, who is in his second season at, at Fairfield this year. I actually thought this year was his first year uh, replacing Sidney Johnson, who uh, came from Princeton to replace Ed Cooley when he took the job at PC. But uh, Johnson was actually fired the year prior, and Jay Young took over last year for Fairfield. Um, they went 12-19 and 19 on the season. And I believe they were definitely in the bottom of, of the, the Metro, Athletic, um, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Um, but obviously, Jay Young coming over, um, he's in a rebuilding situation at Fairfield, so not too surprising that um, they didn't have too great of a year last year. But, um, you know, you're looking at the, the rankings for this year, and it's kind of interesting, like, I don't know how Ken Palm comes up with the rankings based on the fact that he has no data uh, to back it up. Um, I'm sure he has plenty of predictive metrics that he uses to to do his rankings for the season, but Fairfield came in at 257. So if you're counting at home, I believe this would be a quad four game. Obviously got to take care of business with those. Um, something that PC struggled with last season. But we'll get to that. Um, so, Jay Young at his second season at the helm uh, with the Fairfield Stags. Um, PC last played Fairfield all the way back in 2013. Got a 78-69 win at the dunk. Um, and the year before that, they actually played Fairfield. 2012 and beat them 66-47, Bryce Cotton led the way in scoring for the Friars with 21 that night, Um, but yeah, it's amazing, I thought we played them a lot uh, more recent than 2013 because I remember going to the game, actually both my dad and my brother uh, went to Fairfield and I was looking at them too, but chose the Friars over the Stags, so um, happy with that choice, I think, because um, I certainly wouldn't be doing a podcast about, uh, my alma mater's, um, hoops team, if I was at Fairfield, let's just put it that way, but, um, but yeah, so, like, I remember going with my brother and my dad to that game, and we absolutely blew the doors off of them, but that wasn't until, that was all the way back in 2012, so I'm getting old, uh, that was my senior year of college, but, um, Again, then they played the year after that and PC struggled to a nine point win, but got the the win no less. And, um, I'm sure they're, they're looking to, you know, one, definitely get the win. (laughs) Definitely want to come out of there with a win, but definitely do it in more style than the last time they played the Stags. Um, but back to Fairfield coach Jay Young, fun fact about him, he was actually a college lacrosse player. Um. Played college lacrosse at Barris before getting into uh, coaching hoops, um, so that's an interesting transition. Um, but you know, guys like Bill Belichick, for example, they they love lacrosse. So uh, the you know playing a different sport, I, I don't think has too much of an impact on his coaching of hoops. And he's been in the game for a while. Uh, Got his first assistant job back in the late 80s, I think. So he's been around the game, uh, knows the game. Uh, He was an assistant at Stony Brook for 11 seasons under Steve Peichel. Uh, And then when Peichel left Stony Brook to take the Rutgers job, uh, he went with him and uh, was there for three seasons before taking the Fairfield job. Um, so, and you, you see what Steve Peichel has been able to build uh, build at Rutgers this year um, with a team that might be able to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long, long time for Rutgers. So, um, you know, him being on Peichel's staff, he knows about building a roster um, and I bet he's hoping to to recapture some of uh, Pico's success with Stony Brook, with Fairfield. Um, but believe it or not, Fairfield's actually ranked higher in Ken Palm uh, than Iona in new coach Rick Pitino. Um, I believe Iona came in, like, uh, they, they weren't too far behind. I think they were, like, in the 260s. Um, but uh, in terms of their roster, you know, they returned to... Of their top three scores from last season. Um, the first being Jesus Cruz. Um, 11 points per game last year. six five guard out of Puerto Rico. Um, I guess he's trying to do the. Uh, the the route of J.J. Perea. <laughs> who uh, came from Puerto Rico. Played at Northeastern. Before having a long, lustrous NBA career. Um, not too sure about cruises prospects as a NBA player, but, uh, he's six, five. Um, like I said, he's a senior. Um, last year, if you go through the game log of his, um, he was really good in the nine conference. And then oddly enough, I mean, you would think when you go from playing stiffer competition for a school like Fairfield in the Metro uh, Atlantic athletic conference, um, you would think going from non-conference to conference, you would do better, but uh, Cruz actually struggled um, for a good portion of the the MAC schedule last year. So, uh, but then he, he started to get it going again towards the end of the season. On the year, he scored twenty points, twenty plus points in six of his games. Um, you know, not really known as a shooter, only shot twenty five percent from three last year, and he took about two a game. So um, not the uh, efficiency that you want to see. Um, in terms of their second returning score, that would be another senior, Taj Benning, six four guard from uh, New Jersey. Um, averaged 9.8 points per game last year. Um, the one thing I noticed about him is he's a pretty good rebounder. Uh, Average 4.8 six rebounds per game out of the guard position, again, only 6'4", so um, always good when you can have a guard that, that can rebound because, um, you know, it, it's a team game. The, the, re- the rebounding category is a team game, so I always like to see uh, guards that can go in there not only score, but get some rebounds for their team as well. Um, but he only shot 28% from deep last year, so really, this Fairfield team is is not a good shooting team at all. Um, if you look at their top two returning scores, and um, you know, I, I think it will be interesting to see if Cooley will, you know, maybe throw out of the zone. I, I know it's the first game of the year; you don't want to show too much to your opponents um, on tape, that is. Um, so. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Cooley actually does go zone and just dares Fairfield to shoot because it doesn't seem like they have um, the ability to to really make it pay from deep. But then again, like I said, you know, you got a lower opponent, first game of the year. I mean, who knows if you, if you want to show that stuff on tape, maybe you just want to, you know, play man to man and just trust that you have the more athletic, uh, quick guys. Um, They'll be able to stay in front of their man. So it will be interesting to see. Um, and then when, when you look at Fairfield, they also don't have much size, like, at all. Um, their biggest player is sophomore Chris Maddow. I believe um, Maddow played sparingly last year. He got decent minutes for Fairfield as a freshman. Um, but he's only 6'10", and literally he's the only guy that they have that's 6'10". Um, their next tallest player very excited to announce this. Their their next tallest player is a freshman, and we've already found a guy on the all-name team. It took us one game to do it, but Fairfield has a freshman coming in named Supreme Cook. Uh, 6'10 big man from um, East Orange, New Jersey. That is just an absurd name. Um, Some of the names you get in college hoops, man. It's unbelievable. Um, We'll see if Supreme Cook cracks the rotation as a freshman in his first game against the Friars. I would imagine he would play. Um, I would imagine they're not going to want to have that big of a size differential, in um, he's only six nine, so he's your second tallest player at six nine. I mean, Fairfield really lacks size, so I would say look for a PC to try and use Nate Watson and Noah Horsler. Um, get them a lot of paint touches and uh, see if they, what they can do scoring around the basket. Cause they're definitely going to have, um, a height advantage at, against Fairfield. So, um, we'd love to see Nate Watson, who I'll get to in a moment, but, uh, would love to see him and, and Horsler um, uh, really set the tone, um, scoring in, in the paint and, um, in the post. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, first game of the year, I told myself this, I mentioned it on a previous pod, but I'm not going to get too, too excited. Like, make sure you do not get too, too excited about, uh, the, any result that, 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 occurs tomorrow, um, even if they blow them out by like 60 points, because uh, last year against Fairfield, um, or excuse me, against Sacred Heart, uh, PC looked great, um, I was leaving the dunk. I, I did one of those roadside reaction segment things that we won't be doing this year, obviously. But um, And I was just all sorts of excited. I, I was ready. The cry of prophecy was about to begin, uh, and I was pumped. And then, obviously, we know what happens uh, the next few weeks in non conference play where PC ends up losing to Long Beach State, um, College of Char- Charlestown, Penn. So, we all know how that goes. So, this year, I made a promise to myself, the Friars not going to get too excited over the first game. But, um, definitely a lot of exciting things to look for. Um, I put together a list of, of the three things that I'm most excited to see from the Friars. Um, obviously, there's other things, in this game that is, I should, should point out. But, um, obviously, there are other things that I've left off here, um, like the additions of Jared Bynum, No Horsler, seeing how they mesh with the team. Also, uh, Bryson uh, Goodine as well, uh, coming in from Q's, getting a waiver, Ed Crosswell, another guy. Obviously, the, the new faces, um, you know, the transfers, definitely want to see how they, how Coolie and staff integrates them with the team uh, and see how they perform. But they did not make my list. Um, obviously, You know, you look at Greg Gantt's development on, um, you know, if you're looking for for the full season, that would be another storyline. That's definitely intriguing, um, but I did not have on this list. So let's get to it. I've got three things I'm looking for uh, in this game against Fairfield. One would be David Duke taking the reins, you know, being the lead option uh, in in being that guy. Um, I think it's important to set the tone right off the bat that, PC's going to play through, David Duke. Um, You know, last year, when you had a team full full of seniors, I mean, it was, um, for Duke, I mean, obviously he was involved in the offense, uh, had a really good year, showed that that jump that we wanted to see from year one to year two, but if you look at the team last year, I mean, Alpha Diallo was, was the number one guy, and it was pretty much his team, and... He had other guys, uh, veterans along with him that, that have been with him since his recruiting class: uh, Malik White, um, Khalif Young. So, I mean, it was really those guys' team. And unfortunately for, for PC, you know, they, they played a lot through Diallo. Not to say that that's a bad thing. I mean, obviously, he's a matchup nightmare for um, guys as he's one of those hybrid forwards that Cooley loves to utilize. Um, a guy that's too big for, for a guard to guard him and and then too quick and, um, athletic for, for a big man to defend him. So, I mean, obviously, D'All is a useful player and, and, you know, but the, the thing that with him last year was, it seemed like Duke was always taking the back seat, if you will, a little bit, um in terms of, of the more veteran players. And now that, that they're, they're all gone, and Duke's a junior, you know, this is his team. So, uh, you know, right off the bat, I, I want to see the Friars led by Dave Duke. Um, obviously, Bynum, being your starting point guard, will probably take up the ball a decent amount, but uh, I really want to see, you know, the, the staff run a lot of their offense through Duke and seeing what he can do because um, you saw it last year, not consistently, but you saw what he's capable of super athletic. Um, can you know underrated three point shooter? I, I think his shooting doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, he shot forty seven percent from three last year, and it wasn't something that was really expected in his game. Clearly, it's something he's worked on. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's athletic, can jump to the moon, um, showed off a really good shooting stroke last year. I I think he can improve on his straight line drives to the hoop and finishing a little more consistently around the hoop, but he has the ability to get by his man and take it, uh, to the hole. Um, I I also want to see him get to the line more. That would be another thing. So, um, Right off the bat here, I I think let's see if Cooley decides to to run the offense um, mostly through uh, Duke this year. I'm looking towards that. Number two I got, um, and I just mentioned him a few moments ago, but uh, a healthy Nate Watson this year to start the year, which I think is huge. Um, Last year he suffered that knee sprain, like, right before the season started. Um, and then he had to miss a few games early on. And then, you know, when he came back, it was clear that, you know, himself and, and maybe the, the the team's medical staff probably rushed him back because, I mean, you need a guy like Nate Watson last year. Um, but um, it, it, it seemed to take its toll in, in the sense that, Took him a while to really get going last year. Uh, it really wasn't towards until towards the end of the season that that he was definitely looked a hundred percent. So now this year he's healthy, um, you know, and he gets the skim against Fairfield right off the bat here, where they don't have much size. So I'm looking forward for uh, to a healthy Nate Watson dominating the the paint in the opener. Uh, Like I said, Fairville has no size. Nate's, in my opinion, probably the best offense. Like, if you're talking pure post player uh, offensively in the Big East, I think um, Nate Watson's probably the best. Um, He's got really good touch around the rim. Even though he, you know, plays bully ball and stuff like that, um, he's actually got a really nice soft touch uh, in finishing those those laps around the hoop. Um, So... I think him being healthy this year is definitely critical to the Friars' success. Um, And I think to have him fully healthy right off the bat to start the season will be huge. Um, So I'm excited to see what what Nate Watson has in store for us his senior season, now that he's healthy. Um, And then finally, the last thing I would say that I'm looking forward to, or looking to see rather, um, would be, does this team play with the chip on its shoulder that I believe they will? Uh, um, obviously, last season, you know, it started off with the high expectations. Um, they, like I mentioned earlier, they, they go to the Wooden Legacy. They, the game before, before the Wooden Legacy, they lose the pen. They go to the Wooden Legacy uh, tournament. They lose their opener to the Long Beach State, who was a really, really bad team last year. Um, They follow that up by losing the College Charleston the next day. Um, That game, a little more excuse. You got a guy on the other side like Grant Riller, really good player, ends up getting drafted uh, in the second round of the NBA draft last week. Um, So, I mean, a little more of an excuse than the Long Beach game. But still, to have those three losses in a row and then to follow it up with a squeaker win against Pepperdine, Um, you know, that dug the Friars into a massive, massive hole last season. And honestly, it seemed that it would be too big of a hole to to get out of. And it literally took a record-setting month of February uh, for them to get out of that. So now going into this year, the fact that a lot of the – like A.J. Reeves, David Duke, Nate Watson, um, those guys were big parts of last year's team. And, you know – they saw what happens when you're not ready to go early on uh, and the adverse effects that can have for the entire season. So um, you look at the schedule, obviously with COVID, there's less non-conference games. You're going to get this tune-up against Fairfield. Then you're going to go to the the Maui Invitational, which will be held in Nashville. Um, And then other than that, it's really just Fairleigh Dickinson is the really only other game on their schedule that's, um, you know, a cupcake, a cupcake game, if you will. And, um, you know, hopefully that that's to PC's benefit, um, less opportunities to, to have an absolute dud like he did last year, countless times. Um, but they definitely got to take care of business in, in these two games against Fairfield and then fairly Dickinson, um, but that, uh, that one's a little bit after the, the Maui. Um, so did those guys learn anything from last year? And are they going to play with that, that edge, that, that desperation that they played with last year that really fueled the turnaround? Um, that's what I'm really most looking for, forward to with this team. Like These guys got to play with an edge uh, after what happened last year. Um, take no prisoners, um, you know, leave it all on the court. Um, And you look at this first game against Fairfield, um, you know, obviously you want to have respect for your opponent, but um, I would love to see them just go in and win by like 40 points. (laughs) Um, That might be wishful thinking, but um, if this team is really serious about, you know, rectifying – the hole that they dug last year and making sure something like that doesn't happen this year. um, I would think they would come out with some urgency and some desperation in the opener, even though it's against a team like Fairfield. Um, I I definitely, and then you you factor in the, um, the layoff that everyone's had with COVID and everything. Um, These guys are probably really itching to get back to the court. Um, So, Let's see if this Friar team uh, can play with a chip on their shoulder, and it starts Wednesday against Fairfield. Again, the, the uh, game's at 2 p.m. on FS1. Our guy, John Fanta, will be on the call with Vin Parisi. Um, so let's get to it, Friartown. We're, we are here. We made it. College Hoops is back. The Friars are back. The dunk, it may not be rocking this year because because of COVID and no fans. But, um, you know, I'm sure all Friartown is going to be rooting from their their remote locations and be really fired up for the season, because I know I am. Um, But that should do it for today's episode. Uh, Catch us next week. Again, um, we should have some stuff for the blog coming out this week. Um, Probably a recap of the Fairfield game um, and, and good stuff like that. So... There should be more content on the blog, theprovidencecrier.com. Also, follow me on Twitter. That's at Providence Crier. I am out for time.